Amen, amen. Ephesians. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible, besides all the other 65. So, but it is very special. And um, we have been, as, as Ben was saying, have been through Ephesians for the last few weeks. Now, I've missed the first few because Mel and I have been away. Um, but I'm slowly catching up on SoundCloud. So here we go, potentially the last one. But I want to preempt just something. If you're as old as me, you might have heard of a book called Sit, Walk, Stand by a chap called Watchman Nee. He wrote that book in 1957. And it's been instrumental to my discipleship and growing in the Lord because it's, it is a book about Ephesians and it, it explains the spiritual growth and the spiritual maturity. And the reason it's called Sit, Walk, Stand because there is a progression, I believe, in our spiritually growing up. We first learn to sit with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. Then we learn to walk, walk like Christ in the world, um, Ephesians 4 verse 1, and I think Ephesians 5 verse 1 as well. Walking according to our calling, walking in the world according to how God wants us to present him. And then the last one, stand, I'm talking on today. It's our standing in our victory against an enemy. Standing and having an older stand. I'm going to read it a little later, but that's the progression. So today we are going to talk how we're going to stand in victory against our enemy. And um, before I do, however... I want to read something um, from the Passion Translation. It is, it's not a short amount, it's a little bit lengthy. So if you find it difficult to concentrate, close your eyes and listen. But um, I want to read this over us. And I believe that if we let this sink into our spirit, it will help us understand more of what I'm going to teach in a minute. So I want to read Ephesians 1. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement to this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses, 
It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. It's our, this is our position. If you find yourself in any other place than seated with Christ in heavenly places where, he, where everything is under his feet, therefore everything is under our feet, okay, that's where we are. And the only reason the enemy has access to us is if we open up, if we give him a landing strip, if we are continually just being disobedient. And so what I just read, it needs to be the foundation. It needs to be the understanding and, and, and the belief that we have before we can embrace much else. Once we were dead, now we're alive. Now we're alive with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. So we're coming against the kingdom of darkness from that position because I am talking today about the kingdom of darkness without giving too much credit or glory to, to it. But we need to understand. We need to understand what's going on in the spiritual realm. Okay, so we're coming against the kingdom of darkness from a position of victory, knowing that the enemy is already defeated. Okay, he, as I said, he has no power over us except for what we give him. Okay, because in Christ, he is already defeated. And as I said, last time I preached on spiritual warfare, we are not fighting for the victory in our lives, we're fighting from victory because of what Jesus has done on the cross. However, that doesn't stop the enemy, though, trying to cause us to give up, to quit, or trying to defeat us. How does he do that? First and foremost, he lies to us. He accuses us. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to us with fear. He comes to us with discouragement, disappointment, and hopelessness, and all these kind of emotions that we feel that will try and cause us to quit, give up, run away, or defeat us. The kingdom of darkness, like the kingdom of God, is a real kingdom. Lucifer, Satan, was one of the archangels in the beginning, before the fall. He was the archangel of worship in heaven. No wonder he's trying to come against our worship trying to get us to worship, as Anne was saying, anything else but God. He was 
He was the ultimate worship leader in heaven. But because of pride, he fell. He was expelled from heaven and he took one third of the angels with him who are now, whatever you want to call it, evil spirits, demons, demonic forces, wicked spirits, they are now subject to Satan. But you don't have to be Albert Einstein to figure out that there's two-thirds of angels left in heaven and they are on our sides. Okay, they're on God's side. So that's double of what the enemy has. Okay, so we have those angels in heaven and the Bible says there's myriads and myriads, as Ben was saying, of angels in heaven worshipping, but they're also angels ministering to us what the Bible calls the heirs of salvation. Angels are available to you, to minister to, to you, and also to do your bidding. Now, we don't pray to angels. We pray to Jesus. But we can ask God to release angelic powers to help us. Okay. So we're going to talk about the kingdom of darkness today. And I know some of that is, some of us oldies, it might be just a revision or you might have heard it before, but I believe that it is important that every now and then we need to remind ourselves. Okay, because if we don't, if we don't know our enemy, we don't know his plans and his strategy, we can, we don't, if we don't know who we're fighting, we can't fight effectively. Okay, so in order to overcome, actually 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we are not ignorant of the enemy's schemes, okay? We need to know how the enemy operates. And I already said, he comes to steal, kill, destroy, he lies, he accuses, he slanders, okay? So in order to overcome the enemy, to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won over the devil in our lives and the lives of others, we need to know this. We also need to know our weapons. We need to know what God has given us to fight effectively. We need to have discernment and we need to have wisdom. Again, earlier in Ephesians, it talks about that we have to have godly wisdom and Ben preached on that really powerfully a couple of weeks ago. We need to have the wisdom of God in order to, to fight the enemy. So let's read Ephesians 6. Verse 10 to 18, I'm going to read, and then I'm going to break it down a bit. Ephesians 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, or King James says principalities, and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. 
In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the, of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So I'm going to break it down a bit. I want, to just, I want us to have a look at verse 12, where it talks about the hierarchy of the kingdom of darkness and the hierarchy, the rank and files of Satan's kingdom. So as I said, Satan is on top. Okay, he calls the shots. Okay, he's, he is the king of darkness, if you want to have a better word for it. Okay, but he has demonic forces and spirits underneath him. And they have different roles in that kingdom. So the top, the top rank, for a better word, are principalities or rulers. It comes, that word comes from a Greek word called archai. And it denotes that these powers have been there for a long, long time. Okay, they're individuals who hold the highest rank and the loftiest position of authority. Principalities are at the very top of Satan's kingdom and, as I said, most likely held their position of power and authority since ancient time, probably since the fall. So they would have been there right there with Satan at the top and falling. Now, when you read in Daniel, there was a time when Daniel was praying and fasting for 21 days. And I don't know whether you know the story, but i just recap it very quickly. He was, Daniel was praying for 21 days. And he didn't get an answer. After 21 days, um, the archangel Michael appeared to him and said that, he, that God heard his prayers from the first day he prayed. However, he was fighting the prince of Persia, which was a principality over that place, over that area. Michael was fighting him so that then there was an open heaven for God to answer the prayers. Okay, can I suggest to you that sometimes when we pray and we don't get the answer straight away, you might get a little bit, you have to, you might have to get a little bit strobby, okay, with what's going on and, um, and fight and pray and fast so that the answer will come because that releases angels like, like Mark, Michael was released and, and fought that battle for you in order for the answer to come. So I want to share just a testimony because I know some of us are intercessors here and, and, and prophetic people, and we get things in the spirit to pray for, but we have to be very careful when you pray against those principalities, okay, because they have a level of authority that if you do not know what you're doing, you can be in big trouble. And um, we heard of the seven sons of Sceva, okay, they thought they, thought they could... Um, do what Paul did, and they were praying, and remember they were run out naked out of, the, out of town because they didn't really know the authority. Now, when this shooting happened in Christchurch against the, um, the two mosques, I had a friend who was there, and one of her friends thought it would be a good idea to go up on a mountain and pray against those attacks and whatever was going on at that particular time, 
And my friend thought, oh yeah, that, that'll be a good idea. We'll just go up and, and we'll pray and we intercede and we fight and we, you know, we pray. That friend of mine, when that prayer time was finished, came under so much attack, was just about taken out physically with sickness. And when she was telling me the story a little while ago, she said, we were very unwise because we did not know what spirit we were taking on over, over that city. Okay, we were unprepared and we don't have, being Australians, we didn't have the authority over that region. Okay, you have the authority over a region wherever God has placed you or the assignment that God has given you in prayer. Okay, you cannot just go off and just pray against this and pray against that. It's those principalities, even though in, in the spirit realm they are defeated, we still have to be wise what we tackle. Okay, we need to know who we are, we need to know the authority that we have, and we need to know that God has given us in order to tackle that. That's why people like Sean Foyt, they don't go just to anywhere with their burn and their 24-hour worship. They are very strategic assignments from God where God sends them, and that's why they have such a great success. I don't know whether you heard of Sean Foyt, but he has been in Iraq. He has been in Syria during all the ISIS stuff that was going on. I don't even know how he gets in there, but him and his team get there and because they're on assignment from God, and they know, they know what they're doing. Okay, so... I just want to caution us in regards to tackling principalities and rulers and some of those heavy geographical areas of spiritual warfare. We have to be wise. We have to have discernment. And most of all, we need to hear that God, God has told us to do that. The so second group are, are evil beings. They're referred to as powers. And the Greek word is exousia. And it denotes a delegated authority. So... Delegate authority is some, so Satan gives those powers an authority over, say, for example, a company or a business or, or something like that or a marriage to cause havoc, you know, to, to create, to create a whole heap of, um, calamity and, 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 and this division and unity and stuff like that. So there are, demonic forces on assignment um, from Satan. The third one are rulers of darkness of this world. The Greek word is kosmokrateros, and it's made up of two words. Cosmos is um, order and structure. The other word, krateros, is raw power. So when raw power is harnessed and those spirits are trained. It's, it's, like, it's like when we go into the military, into the army. Okay, We come in there, we, um, we're fit, we're ready to go, but we need to be trained. So it's, it's spirits that are trained specifically for um, mass, mass attack. It's like um, the story that comes to mind is Jesus and the demoniac amongst the graves. Remember when Jesus asked, um, what is your name? And he said, legion. Well, it was an army. It was a legion of demonic spirits that were 
um, residing inside of him. So these are the, these are the um, evil spirits trained like an army to do damage to the people that God has created. And then the last one are spiritual wicked, sorry, spiritual wickedness in high places. The Greek word for those are poneros, depicting something that is vile, bad, malignant. And they are those demons that most likely will come against us as individuals to harass us, to torment us, to make us frightened, to, um, to oppress us. Um, and so these are, well, I call them, they're the little ones, okay? And, um, and they're the ones that, that attack most likely us as individuals rather than a group of people or, or something like that. So does that make sense? Is that, is that all clear as mud? Okay. However, no matter, no matter what, no matter what rank and file or, or who of those demonic forces we are encountering, okay, we have to know that we have a much greater power over any of them because Jesus is inside of us. And Jesus already has overcome all of them. All of them. Okay, it's only because the enemy still has authority in this earth that he can try and create havoc um, on this earth and with, and, and, and with us. Okay, but there will come a day when he will be totally and utterly defeated. And that's what we have to believe, okay? That, that we will see the outworkings of what Jesus has already done. We will see it. That Satan will fall and will be defeated um, when Jesus comes back, most likely. So we have been given authority over all, all of these demonic forces. As I said, we have to use discernment and wisdom, though. And God has given us not just the weapons that I talked about last time, the weapons of praise, the weapon of unity, the weapon of worship, the weapon of prayer, but he's given us his armor. Okay, and, it's, and it says in verse 14 to 18 that we put on the armor of God. Stand your ground putting on the armor of God. And I want to go through each piece because each piece is important. But before I do, I want to say it is our responsibility to put it on. We don't automatically have the armor of God on. And um, I was talking again to someone a little while ago. Um, this woman went through, has been through a really, really rough time and been so discouraged and felt so defeated. And we had a chat, and as we were jumping out of the car, I said to her, don't forget to put your armor on. Or don't, don't forget you've got your armor on. And she said to me, there's not much left. And we have, so what we need to do is, when you feel that you have not much left, you've got to put it on again. You've got to put on your armor. You've got to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. I want to go through each one because each one of those items has got a very clear, powerful function 
if we understand what we're putting on. Okay, so the belt of truth, and you've got to remember, it's, it's not, it's, when Paul wrote that, he was referring to an incredible armor that the Roman soldiers were wearing and the armies of those times. So the belt of truth wasn't just a little thin leather strap that you put around your waist to hold your pants up. It was, it was a heavy thing that had leather straps all around. It was, it was protecting your, your loins. It was protecting your kidneys and other vital organs. And it also held your sword. So when Paul talks about the belt of truth, truth is the very first thing that we need to put on. The truth of the word of God. The truth that protects us from deception and the lies of the enemy. And I know truth these days is really, really wishy-washy. Because we, we live in a, in a world where there is a postmodern worldview, where truth is anything that you want to believe. So I might tell Damon, Damon, it's wrong to lie or to cheat to your employer. And he says, well, that's not my truth. That's your truth. And I said, well, the Bible says so. He said, well, no, it's not, it's not my truth because my truth is different to your truth. So there are people out there, they believe anything and everything, and you try and tell them what the truth is, and they will just shut you down. They will shut you down. And if you come with the Bible these days, I know we all know that, what that how that works out. You get your employment contracts canceled, and you get sacked. Okay, that's, not, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Because there, there is a worldview out there that you can believe anything that you want and you can live by that. And nobody can tell you that it's wrong. Because in your eyes, it's right. And so this is why I believe we as Christians are going to have more and more and more of a rough time to, I suppose, share the truth of the word of God. And that's why it is so important that what Arm did, you show them. You don't need to tell them, you show them. You show them the truth by how you live. Because when you live by the truth of the word of God, guess what? You will shine. You, you will shine and people will be drawn to how you live because that's just how Jesus is. People were drawn to him. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we are imitators of God, when we live like image bearers of Christ, guess what? People will be drawn to the truth. And when they, are, when they see, then they will believe. They won't believe if you tell them, or if you jump down their throat, or if you ram the word of God down their throat. That's not going to work it works by us being Christ-like, being image bearers, being Christ's ambassadors. And we've got to show the world 
what truth is. Okay? Um, as I said, deception is one of the enemy's oldest tactics. He will try and deceive you and believe you stuff that is not according to the word of God. Okay. The second thing is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, that breastplate was actually looped into the belt. So it held the belt in place and vice versa. They, they go together, truth and righteousness. Because without truth, our righteousness will be based upon our own attempts to impress God. You all know self-righteous people, I'm sure. They think they're always right, and you can't tell them any other. Okay, self-righteousness stinks. Okay, because none of us are righteous, not even one, the Bible says. But through Christ, we are now the righteousness of God. Okay, and this is what we, this is what we have to believe. We are the righteousness. We have right standing with God. No matter whether you have a bad day or a good day, no matter whether you feel good about yourself or whether you feel ugly about yourself, it doesn't matter. You are always righteous because God sees us through Jesus and therefore we have right standing with the Father at all times. It doesn't depend on how we behave. Okay, It is through Jesus. Our right standing with God the Father protects our hearts. That's what the breastplate does. It protects the heart and the lungs. It protects the very organs that cause us to live. So if we don't know that we are the righteous of God in Christ, guess what? You're not living in real life. You're, you're actually walking dead men. Okay. Pretending to be alive, but not really alive. So this breastplate of righteousness, knowing our righteousness in Christ, knowing our right standing, protects our heart mostly from condemnation and shame and guilt. Our hearts... Proverbs talks about that we need to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Okay, so there are things that we need to protect our hearts from. Okay, and again, it is our responsibility. God can't do it for us because God has already done everything that he could in order for us to live that victorious life. He's already done all of it. It's our responsibility. So I want to admonish you this morning. Guard your hearts against the lies of the enemy. Guard your heart against condemnation and shame and guilt because it will keep you defeated. It will keep you ineffective. It will keep you exactly where the enemy wants you to be. So we need to Guard our hearts, put on righteousness, right standing with God, because it empowers you. Once you know that you are righteous, you have right standing with God, guess what? I mean, we worship God this morning, and it was powerful. But you know, it's one thing to be here on a Sunday morning and feel that, but probably by Tuesday, Wednesday, it might have all faded away a bit. But 
God is still the same on Wednesday and Thursday that he was on Sunday morning. And so when we, when we see that we, are, we can be in that same place on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday that we are on Sunday mornings, that's, when we are, that's where we find courage, we find boldness, we find faith and grace to go and live the life that God wants us to live. Shoes of the gospel of peace. Now there were boots. I got my dogs on this morning. They're sturdy. I can walk with them over anything and everything. The same with the army, army boots. You can walk, they could, those soldiers could walk over every rocky, uneven ground back in those days with the right shoes on. And so when Paul talks about the shoes of the gospel of peace, guess what? What's the gospel? We learned it last year. What's the gospel? Jesus is the gospel. I know. Jesus, and, and it's good news as well, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So the gospel of peace is the message that Jesus preached. The message, the good news that Jesus preached. It's, and this is what we need to bring. Now, the shoes can be defensive or offensive. You can stand your ground in peace when the storm rages all around you. And this standing is really, really important. Okay. This standing is important. You think about every time people stand. They stand in court. They don't sit in front of the judge. When they speak, they stand in court. People stand in front of the queen. We stand to worship God. I mean, we can kneel and sit and stuff like that, but predominantly we stand. Standing is a very particular position that we take in order to have stability and to have, have a sense of strength and, and readiness to even cop everything that comes against us. It's much better than sitting. It's more stable than sitting. So standing in the shoes of the gospel of peace, we're standing strong in the storms of life because we have the shoes of peace on. It's also offensive because we take the message of peace to the world. You know, 2 Peter, 2 Peter, 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we bring the message of peace because that's what Jesus, that was the good news was. The message of peace that Jesus brought was reconciliation between mankind and the Father. And we have now that same ministry of reconciliation to, to bring peace between God and mankind, humankind. So the shoes are defensive and offensive. So we've got to have our shoes on every day. We need to walk in peace with God ourselves. We've got to walk in peace with others. And we need to walk in peace with ourselves. You can't be in peace with others when you're not at peace with yourself. 
And so we need to, um, we need to be aware the shoes that we're wearing. Shield of faith to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. This is one of my favorites. The shield in those olden days, they covered you from head to toe. They were not little shields, they were big shields. And you were covered from the fiery darts, from the swords, from the arrows, whatever was, whatever the enemy threw at you. And the most, the most um, attack that comes against our faith, those fiery darts of the enemy, is fear and doubt. Fear is the opposite to faith. Okay, if you are in fear, you actually are in faith in the sense of, of believing. Um, what is fear? False evidence appearing real. You actually believe in something that is that is not real, that is actually trying to take you out. But sometimes we can have more faith in fear than faith in God. And we have to have faith in God because he is faithful. And so our faith guards us against the fiery darts. Anything the enemy throws at us, we know that God is faithful. We know that God is good. We know, we know who God is. And so therefore we can quench every fiery dart because we put our trust and faith in God. And we don't doubt God. We don't doubt God. When the answers don't come straight away, God is still good and God is still faithful and God will still work everything out for good to those whom he loves and are called according to his purpose. All the promises, all the promises are yes and amen. And that's, and that's where our faith needs to be. That's what we have to put up when the doubts come, when the fear comes, when the discouragement comes. Whatever it is the enemy throws at you, put up your shield of faith in God. Mark 11 says, have faith in God. Anyone believes and speaks to the mountain, it shall be cast into this, it will be removed and cast into the sea if you do not doubt Doubt is, the, is, is what the enemy will bring into your head in order to question whether God really is true to what he says he will do or even true to who he says he is. I mean, that was the ultimate seed that was sown in the Garden of Eden was, has God, did God really say? When God says something, you can believe it. And you can be assured that whatever he says, he will do. So the shield of faith, okay, hold it up every day. Okay, the helmet of salvation. That was actually the last piece of the armor that was put on. The helmet of salvation. We need to be assured of our salvation. I have known people in the past who have answered altar calls every time they was an altar call. They got saved a million times. Okay, we don't need to do that. We are assured of our salvation. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Full stop. There's no more that you have to do. You just call on the name of the Lord, you believe who Jesus is, what he's done, and you're saved. You're born again, you're saved. 
but the enemy will try and sow again seeds of condemnation or whatever it is to make you question whether you're really saved or whether you're really um, righteous or, or what it is. Lies. Lies in your mind. The enemy will lie. He's the father. Jesus is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies and the flies. Mark. Yep. To banish fear and doubt. And how do we do that? We need to renew our mind with the truth. We need to renew our mind um, with salvation. That's right. Um, it, the helmet of salvation brings the protection over our minds from the lies of the enemy. What others say about you and what you might tell yourself because there can be a lot of negative self-talk going on in your head and they're lies. You're actually agreeing with the enemy when you entertain those lies and, and those, and those um, thoughts. Now we wear the helmet of salvation protecting our minds and every day renewing our minds. Sword of the Spirit the Word of God. We've got to be in the Word, guys. We've got to read the Word and believe what the Word of God says. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, he quoted the Word of God. Well, he didn't have the New Testament. Hey, we have the New Testament. We have even more. We have all these promises. I mean, the letters of Paul, they're amazing. Tells us exactly who we are, what we need to do. We have a manual, an instruction manual, how to live life so that we can be victorious, so that we can be successful, that we can be wealthy. We can have everything, the abundant life, it's all in there. So when the enemy comes, take out your sword. I used to have a machete that I used, to, I used to bring to church back in the olden days. Remember, Damon? No? Oh, yeah. I used to have a machete. That was my sword. You know, it was just a symbol. You know, but we can use the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit... Okay, and cut down every lie, cut down every, come against every attack of the enemy with the word of God. Because again, coming back, the word of God is the truth. It's alive, it's active, and it will accomplish everything. So in our prayers, you know, I don't pray prayers anymore like I used to. I'm much bolder now in my prayers. Because I decree and declare what God says. And when we decree and declare what God's, rather than asking God and come with your shopping list, that's what I used to do. Come to God with my list. I like lists. But I used to come to God with my list and ask him for this and for that and stuff. No. Now, when my children are in trouble, I decree and declare, okay, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I decree and declare that what the word of God says. And that is, and guess what? It doesn't take long then 
Because you can pray something like that in 10, 15 minutes rather than coming through your list for two hours. And you're much more powerful. You know, because the word of God is the power of God. And so take out your sword every day. Okay, if you face lack of any kind, if you face sickness of any kind, take out the word of God and decree and declare. You know, there's no lack. My God is El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. And there's always more than enough. You know, decree and declare that by your stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Don't say, please, Jesus, heal me. I mean, he, he doesn't mind, but I'm just saying we need to grow up. We need to become mature and we actually need to start using the word of God the way that it's meant to be, by declaration and decreeing what he says, and then we will see it manifest. And the last one, one of my favorites, prayer. Praying in the spirit. Come on, guys, join me. I actually believe God is saying that he is not a man, that he should lie about anything. He is so, so much the God of truth, the God of love, the God of grace, the God of power, the God of might. So he asks us today, stand and having done all to stand, stand firm therefore in the power of his might, in the power of his might. We're building ourselves up in prayer when we pray in the Spirit. You know, and as I think both Ben and Brad said, you know, it's not just praying when you're driving or praying when you hang out the washing or the doing the dishes or whatever. No, we need to, we need to set aside, and th there's nothing wrong with that, okay, but we need to set aside chunks of times where we pray and communicate and commune with God where we worship him, where we pray, pray for ourselves, pray for our families, pray for one another, praying for this church, you know. And I actually found a really, God is just so good. He told me about a month ago to spend a certain amount of prayer specifically to pray for this church. And I asked him, what do you want me to pray? And he said, start praying Ephesians. The first time I came and prayed Ephesians, I didn't get past Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Literally. Because there is so much that we can pray for one another and pray for our families and, and, and praying the word of God. Again, it's just so powerful praying the word of God. Ask God. You know, praying Psalms. Powerful praying, this, praying through the Psalms. Praying through the word of God. Wesley Campbell, about 20 years ago, released the word praying, praying the Bible. You know, and start off with praying the Psalms. Powerful. So we need to pray. We need to pray. 
Every smart soldier knows they must keep the lines of communication open with their commander. Okay. We need to get, we need to get our orders and our assignments from God. And how can we get that if we don't spend time communicating and listening? That's the other thing. Don't just talk. Listen. Listen. Listen what God says to you. You ask him a question, he'll answer. In conclusion, with the armor of God and prayer, we can be ready and overcome anything. We need to be watchful and alert. The Bible says, for the times are evil. And we know that because of what is going on all around us. So what, what did um, Ephesians 1 say, as I read before? The church, now we, and now we, his church, are his body on this earth. As I said before, Jesus done everything that he came to do. He can't do anymore. Well, he is actually. He's, he's with the Father interceding on our behalf. But we've got a job to do here on this earth. And I'm really happy what we're doing with rethinking how we are presenting ourselves individually, but also this church to the world around us. Because it is important. It's really, really, really important. I think that's it. Remember our position, who we are, what God called us to represent him, establish and advance his kingdom, establish and advance his rule and reign here on the earth. We're well equipped to do that. We're well equipped to do that. Each and every one of us has been given power and authority to overcome the enemy, to overcome the world, and to overcome the flesh. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that, um, yes, you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, that you've given us authority, we, you, you delegated authority to us, and you've given us the power, the precious Holy Spirit inside of us. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells now in us. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord God, would take home today something where we can put into practice and apply your word, your truth in our lives and in the lives of others and the world around us, Lord. But most of all, I pray, Lord, as we finish this awesome book of Ephesians, Lord God, that you help us to know that we are seated with Christ, that we walk in the Spirit, and we're standing in your victory. And having done all, Lord God, we're going to stand in the power of your might. And I thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.